Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Started? All right, if you're watching this, I don't need snacks during the middle of our time. We just played a game, and so those are up here for the remainder of the lesson. But we are going to be on lesson number three of the Christian Mind. We started this uh, really about three weeks ago, but we're only on lesson three. Uh, we took last week off due to the uh, VBS and uh, being underneath the tent, and so hopefully you got to eat at one of the food trucks and enjoy that. But we've been kind of breaking them down by three different uh, aspects. We've been talking about restricting, refocusing, and renewing. And so we've taken about three weeks and looked at the idea of restricting. We'll do one more uh, next week, and then we'll move on to refocus. But tonight we're going to be talking about restricting stress, worry, and anxiety, restricting stress, worry, and anxiety. And let me just go ahead and say, I understand that all three of those are unique and they are different, um, but they do kind of all stem from the same thing. And so the Bible kind of lumps those together and kind of lumps those thoughts together. And so for tonight, we're going to be giving some principles on how to restrict stress, worry, and anxiety. And so that has to do with your mind because so much of our mind, I just realized I have my name tag on. Sorry, you guys know who I am. Um, I wear that so that I know who I am. But um, restricting stress, worry, and anxiety. And so we're talking about that because most of the problems of our mind, if we're honest, outside of temptation and outside of maybe some sort of medical side of the mind, most of them stem from a lot of the stress and the worry and the anxiety that we face in this life. And so Philippians chapter number 4 is one of my favorite passages uh, to look at in, uh, with this topic. And so I want to read that, and then we'll just really break it apart. Um, you guys have heard me speak on this uh, many times, but I uh, think that this is what it, the Lord has for us tonight. And so we're going to be looking at that uh, in Philippians chapter number 4, verse 6 through 9. The Bible says this, Be careful for nothing, nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And so let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to look into your word. Lord, I ask that you would help us. Lord, I ask that you would give me the words to say. Lord, help me to cover the content biblically and, Lord, also correctly. And, God, I ask that you would help us to be able to take this and apply it to our hearts, apply it to our lives, and apply it to our minds. In your name we pray. Amen. Just as a reminder, we got into this series a couple of weeks ago as a result of really kind of looking at our world, looking at culture, seeing so much that is being talked about with the mind, seeing so much that is really beginning to come to light in society 
with the mind. And my goal is not to solve the problems of society with this series, but to give you as Christians the opportunity to develop your mind biblically with biblical principles. And so as we kind of dug into that, we talked about restricting. We talked about, okay, if we don't like what is in our mind, then let's step back and let's cut the flow back. I've used the example of a pool today as I was kind of walking around and thinking about uh, what we were going to teach on. I actually kind of thought a little bit more about that illustration. And um, really, when you think about it, it almost applies more when you look at maybe like a lake or a pond or something. If you don't like what is in the pond, if you don't like what is in the lake, you're, going, you're not going to just grab a bucket and start bailing out water, are you? You're going to go and look at what's feeding it. What is it what you're going to look upstream? You're going to look at where it's coming from. And if you don't like what's going into it, then you're going to eliminate where and what it is coming from. And so the same is true with your mind and so we've been talking about restricting last week or two weeks ago we talked about restricting evil or temptation and then today that brings it or tonight that brings us to restricting stress worry and anxiety I want you to look at this quote right at the beginning of your notes there in the introduction it says this it is impossible to restrict every source of stress worry or anxiety while you may never restrict those sources you can restrict your attitude toward them through the principles of God's Word so when you look at a title like that Sometimes it's easy to say, oh yeah, who's in line to restrict their stress? Yeah, I would sign up for that. Who wants to restrict worry? Oh yeah, I would sign up for that. Who wants to restrict anxiety? Yeah, I would do that. But the truth is, is that you will never be able to restrict every source of anxiety. As soon as maybe you get your finances in line, it seems like that maybe Satan attacks your health. As soon as maybe you get your relationships in line, maybe Satan attacks your finances. There's always going to be something that is a source of stress or a source of worry or a source of anxiety. And the goal of tonight's lesson is not for us to completely eliminate stress or worry or any of those things or any of the sources that they come from, because I think that that is impossible for us to do. But it is important for us to understand that the Bible speaks to it. And while it does not speak to restricting those sources, it does speak to our attitude. <laughs> That's a blessing. Our attitude of, of how we restrict them, okay, and how we view them. And so tonight, the first thing that I want, you to, I want you to see is to recognize the command. Recognize the command from verse number 6. He says this in verse number 6. Um, he says, be careful for nothing. I've explained this before in this class, but I like to remind you of it as often as I can. That word careful is not saying don't be cautious. It's not saying not to wear a bike helmet. It's not saying not to wear your seatbelt. It's not saying any of those things. It's actually the word full of care. He says be full of care. Be anxious. Be stressed. Be worried. Be, don't be any of those things. He says be careful for nothing. So here's what I want you to think about. Why would God give us a command not to worry? Why would God make worry and stress and anxiety and care, why would He make those an act of obedience? Okay, You're going to answer that question later on in your notes, but let me give you a little bit of teaching just for, to go along with that. When you see a command like this, this is be careful for nothing. I also have 1 Corinthians chapter or 1 Peter chapter number 5 verse 7 where it says cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. That is a sentence of command. So he's telling us to cast. He's telling us to give it to the Lord. Then if you look at Matthew chapter number 6 verse 25 through 34, the actual words of Jesus, he says, "Take no thought for your life." He says that two or three times in the same passage. He says in verse number 34, "Take the 
therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Why would God make make a command, make obedience, an act of obedience about how we handle our worry? And here's what I believe is true. God knows that our human minds and our human nature is to naturally be full of care, is naturally to be full of thought, is naturally to be full of worry and full of stress and full of anxiety. That is human nature. But yet it would also make God not a very good God unless He knew that He could handle that better than what we can. And if we truly believe that we have a great God and a good God, then that would mean that a good God would give us a solution to our worry, to our care, to our problems, to our stress. And so the fact that God commands that, and I want you to listen to this, the fact that God commands you not to worry means that He knows that it is best for you. The fact that God would take time, He could have easily just said, this is how good I am, this is how great I am, this is how strong I am, this is how powerful I am, you should trust me. But the fact that He took the time multiple times throughout Scripture to teach us not to worry, to teach us not to stress, to teach us not to take thought for the things of tomorrow, when He took the time to do that, what He was doing was showing you just how good I am and the fact that I have your best interest in mind. So first of all, recognize the command. Be careful for nothing. Secondly, recognize the prayer. I want you to kind of put in parentheses or over to the side or however you want to take your notes there. But I want you to put over to the side, maybe even in your Bible, that this is the prayer of anxiety. The prayer of anxiety. You know, sometimes you read through the Psalms and David has a Psalm that that obviously a human being or someone that was not inspired has gone back and added to uh, maybe and given it a title. And so you'll see the prayer of repentance. You'll see a prayer of thanksgiving. You'll see a Psalm of this. This really is a prayer of anxiety. In fact, today I found it interesting that as I was studying some of the verses that kind of surrounded this, that one of the little chapter titles and headings that breaks down the passage actually calls this the cure for for anxiety. That was the way that it was worded for these next couple of verses. And so what does the prayer of anxiety or the prayer of stress, what does that look like? First of all, it is an inclusive prayer. It is an inclusive prayer. It's inclusive because it is all-encompassing. It touches everything. You see that at the beginning of verse number 6 where it says, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So he says, these are not just the things that worry you. Sometimes I think that we don't talk to God about everything because we almost feel like that it's our job to do our best to solve it and then talk to God about it. But that's not what this verse teaches us. He says, but in everything. Meaning that you might think, well, I don't need to talk to God about this because there's been people before me that have figured it out. There's been people that after me, people are going to think that I'm weak. People are going to think that I don't know how to maybe manage my finances. People are going to think that I'm a bad person. People are going to think this. You worry so much about some of the details that you forget that God has commanded you to talk to Him about everything. So the prayer of anxiety is inclusive, meaning that it may mean that you feel like you're the only one who's struggling 
struggling with worrying about this. You may, it may mean that you feel like you're the only one who's stressed about this. You go and you sit in a college class and there's 200 people that are getting ready to take a test and 199 of them are confident and they're taking their pencils and filling in those little bubbles and taking everything and you're sitting there scared out of your minds, okay? That, that's okay. It's okay to talk to God about that because it falls under the classification of this verse and that is that it means everything. So not only is it an inclusive prayer, but it is also a passionate prayer. And I want you to see this. He uses two words to describe how to bring this request to, to God. He says, but in everything by prayer. Now let me just go ahead and give you a simple definition for prayer. Prayer is asking. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is what you do when you sit down and you pray for your meal. Prayer is what you do when maybe you're sitting in the service and the pastor says every head bowed every eye closed we're going to pray and ask God to bless the offering that is prayer you're communicating with God but he uses another verse and let me just go ahead and teach you maybe a quick little Bible study trick when you see two different words that in maybe our modern language or maybe in your mind seem the same way there normally is a distinguishing factor between one or the other okay Second Chronicles chapter number 7, verse 14 does this. It says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. The way that we've kind of worded that is we say, well, prayer is seeking God's face. But the truth is, is if you dig down into it, those are actually two different words. Those are two different thoughts. Those are two different ways of communicating with God. And so he uses the first word, prayer, talking to God. He says, well, I want you to talk to God about it. I want you to communicate with him about it. I want you to ask him about it. But then he uses the word supplication. Supplication gives us this idea of a begging, of a pleading. If you had something that you really wanted in your life, would you just talk about it and maybe ask about it? Or would you plead or would you beg? Or according to this verse, would you supplicate? Would you want to have more of a passion for it? And the prayer of anxiety is not just inclusive, but it is also a prayer of passion to where you're coming and you're begging God for Him to do something. And then thirdly, it is a thankful prayer. This one is difficult. This one is outside of our human nature. Because here's what Paul is saying. He says, let your, he says, uh, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. I've posed this question to you, I don't know how many times as a class, but when was the last time you've thanked God for the hardest things in your life? When was the last time you thanked God for the hardest things in your life? Many times we come to God and we're, we'll, we'll chalk it up as it falls under everything and, and we'll talk about, we'll beg God for it and we'll pray about it and we'll talk to Him about it and we'll ask about it. But very rarely do we say, Lord, thank you for bringing this into my life. It's teaching me to pray more. It's teaching me to trust you more. So it is a thankful prayer. But then fourthly, it is a personal prayer. It's interesting to me that out of all that Scripture teaches us about intercessory prayer, you don't find that in this verse. I want you to see it with your own eyes. He says, But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let... What's the next word? Good. Okay, let's try it one more time. You can read along. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let... What's the next word? Your. Your. There's so much that we do and we talk about intercessory prayer and there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's very biblical. In fact, it's very helpful. In fact, I think that it's very Christian and Christ-like. But according to this verse, he says that this is personal. He says, let your request 
be made known unto God. And then the last thing is this, is that it is also a permissive prayer. It's interesting to me that in one of the verses that teaches us the most about how to handle stress and worry and how to talk to God, that it uses the word let. The word let is a permission, meaning this. That God says, I am willing to take care of your problems, but before I take care of them, you have to let me. You have to give me permission to. That is why when you see verses like this and like 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse 7, there is still a command for you and I. The command in 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse 7 is, Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We love the last part of that verse. Well, look at how much God cares for you. Look at how much He wants to do for you. Look at how much He loves you. Look at how much He wants to carry your burdens. But there is still a step that you and I must take, and that is casting all our care. That is letting our requests be made known unto God. And if you and I cannot talk to God about the things that bother us, then why do we ever expect Him to step in and to really remove those issues or give us strength for those issues or solve those problems or calm our hearts during those moments? Prayer is the pathway between our problem and God's peace, which leads us to this next thought, and that is this. Recognize the peace. Recognize the peace. You have that quote there in your notes. Prayer is the pathway between our problem and God's peace. Meaning this. That if you've got problems, let's put our problems over here and let's put God's peace over here. How do we get from our problems to God's peace? The only way that that occurs is through the pathway of prayer. We cannot arrive at God's peace for our, in our problems unless we say, God, I'm giving you this in prayer. That's the only pathway that God has given us. We can go out and we can try to solve it. We can go out and we can try to get help with it. We can go out and maybe even read a book about it or listen to a podcast or YouTube it or Google it. But the truth is, is that none of those things guarantee God's peace the way that prayer does. And, I, and once again, I've said this a hundred times in this class, sometimes the things that we worry about the most are the things that we talk to God about the least. And so if that is true, then prayer is the pathway that gets us to God's peace, which, uh, which is why we say, in ver uh, for thirdly, is we must recognize the peace. I want you to look at this in verse number 8, or verse number 7. What does God give in exchange for our problems? He says this, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, my peace has the power to not only exceed comprehension, it's beyond understanding, but it also has the power to keep your heart and your mind, which leads us to this thought, and that is number four, recognize the replacement, okay? Now bear with me for just a second. We're going to do a little bit of deep learning. Can you guys see the board up here? Okay. This is something that I have been meditating on and trying to kind of work through even in my own life and I've found it to be helpful and so I wanted to pass it along tonight because it kind of applies, okay? When we talk about recognizing things and helping our minds to stay focused on God, when we talk specifically about stress and worry and anxiety and all those things, we often run to verses like verse number 8, okay? So far, here's where we're at. 
We recognize the command, okay? God is good because he's good enough to command that we not worry about something. We've recognized the, the prayer, okay? This is what I'm, this is how I'm going to talk to God. I can talk to him about everything. I can talk, I need to make it passionate. I need to make it, I need to offer some thanksgiving along with that. I need to make it something that is, um, I lost, I thought, uh, forgot my points, okay? That is passionate, something that is personal, and then something that is permissive. So I'm going to give God permission, okay? Then I'm going to recognize when God gives me that peace. Peace doesn't mean that God takes the problem away, okay? Let's make sure that we understand that from verse number 7. Peace doesn't mean that the, the problem is now gone absent. It means that God is now present, okay? So God is saying, you know what? You can take your problems and you can exchange them for my peace. That doesn't mean that the problems go away. That means that the God of peace is now in that problem with you as a child of God. But here's what I want us to see is the recognize the replacement. So Paul continues writing. This is all one thought. Sometimes as Christians, we're guilty of isolating one verse. Paul doesn't just say, take your problems, get God's peace, and then everything's going to be great. He actually gives us a formula for replacing them, okay? This is something that I've been kind of looking at in my own life, and we're going to call it for tonight, for lack of maybe a better term, and a developing term is a decision filter. I liked the word decision funnel. My wife said it made it sound like it was a garage or something, like an oil change or something like that, okay? So a decision filter, okay? But it is in the shape of a funnel, all right? Um, so it's in your notes there, but here's what I want you to look at, okay? Specifically from verse number eight, he gives us a list of things. Someone read to me something out of, the first thing out of verse number eight that he says. True. True. So here's the way that the decision funnel works, or the decision filter, sorry. Okay? Anything that comes out through here makes it into your mind, makes it into your life, okay? Let's not even say your mind at this point. Anything that creeps out the bottom makes it into your life, okay? How many of you have ever been to, um, been to one of those, uh, like they have them sometimes at like these places that think they're like frontiery, but they're like a tourist trap, okay? And they have like where you can mine for gold, and it's like those little things, like those little pails, and then you get to put them in like a little bag and take them home, and they charge you $17.99 for it, and you pretend like you're gold mining. Anybody ever seen that? Mm -hmm. Wow, like two of you? What, did nobody take a field trip as a little kid and, and get gypped off on that okay they have one in Gatlinburg my kids do it sometime and I let them kind of funnel for the gold and then when the lady comes around with the little bag she says okay take everything that you found and you can put it in this bag for only $9.99 I'm like all right kids put the put the funnels back like we ain't paying $9.99 for rocks for the are probably gonna spill all over the car okay but what happens in that moment is what's, what doesn't filter through the grains what doesn't filter through the webbing goes on out into the water okay so only that which sticks is what you get to keep. And so the same is true in your life. And so in this case, when we're talking about, okay, this is what's coming into my life, okay? These are the thoughts. This is social media. This is what I watch on TV. This is the conversations that I have with friends. This is everything that comes into your life, comes into your mind, comes into your heart. But what should stick should follow a biblical formula. Meaning that you have to step back and ask yourself, is this true? Is this something that God would want me to dwell on? 
Is this something that is accurate and that is a biblical portrayal of what God wants me to do? Meaning that if I'm in a relationship with someone and they're telling me all these things that I'm not or telling me how bad of a person I am, that's not true. That's not the way that God sees you. So we're already past that funnel, meaning that we probably don't want to let that relationship get all the way into our life. If I'm watching a TV show that's maybe telling me something that I know biblically is not what God says is true, then we don't want to keep letting that into our life. What's the second thing? Honest. Honest. Once again, oh man, that would have been a perfect illustration for what I talked about a couple minutes ago, okay? True and honest are not the same words. They look like they're the same words for us, but the word honest is actually dealing with your character. It's, uh, I think I have the definition later on in your notes, and so you can go back and look at that. Is it honest? Does it have a good revere? Is it, is it reverent? Is it, uh, is it respectable? Okay, That's what the word honest is looking at. So if it's not, then why am I going to keep letting that go in? What's another one? Just. Let's just start reading more. What's the next one? Good report. Do you see how that works? So now here's what we've got. When the things of this world come into our minds or into our hearts, how do we choose what we let stick? Well, I'm just going to watch this TV show because it's what's popular. It's what popped up on Netflix, okay? I'm just going to follow this person on social media because it's what, uh, it's what everyone else is doing. It's because someone that I trust, someone that's a good Christian, told me that I should follow them, okay? I'm going to listen to this artist. I'm going to watch this TV show. I'm going to hang out with this person. All of that that is coming into our lives, if they don't pass through this funnel, then why in the world would we ever let them get here to maybe our heart? Why would we let a TV show that's not true, that maybe isn't pure, that maybe isn't lovely, that doesn't hold a good report, that if someone found out that you watched it, you, oh my goodness, I can't believe they watched that. Why would we keep letting that creep all the way down into our lives? And here's what Paul is offering. He says, you can take your problems and you can exchange them for God's peace. But the truth is, is that as human beings... We're not very good about, at thinking about nothing, are we? Oh, well, I don't want to think about that. I, I'm worried. I'm stressed. Okay, I'm just not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm, I'm just going to think about nothing. That's not how our mind works. And so Paul is not just saying, take your problems and get God's peace. He's actually saying, let's give you a framework to replace your thoughts. Let's give you something now where you can say, okay, I'm going to seek out something that's true. You know one of the first things that I ha encourage someone to do when I'm maybe counseling with them or I'm talking to them? I tell them to pull out the notes on their phone and I tell them to go and find five truths. Between now and the next time we meet, find five truths that are true from the Word of God that can, you can apply to this situation. Why? Because most of what we struggle with is a lie. What is stress? What is worry? Worry is thinking, stress is thinking, anxiety is me thinking that I have to handle this on my own. Me thinking that I am in control of this outcome. Me thinking that I'm never going to be able to get out of this situation. It's me. That is a lie for the Christian. The Christian should be thinking, okay, how is God going to work through this? 
And so let's go and find truths that we can now train our mind to say, you know what, when this situation comes, I'm going to go and do this. And so then the last thing is this. Not only is there, must we recognize the replacement, but the last thing is this, recognize the example. I want you to see this. I don't know that I ever understood the linking of this verse, verse number 9 to verse number 6 until today. Here's what the Bible says. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. So what's he saying? He says, here's my example. Here's what I taught you. Here's, what I want you, here's how I want you to live. Here's what you've seen in me. I want you to do that. Well, what do you get in return? And the God of peace shall be with you. I have this quote in your notes there. That obedience eliminates additional stress. You don't have to raise your hand because it's not air or dirty laundry night, okay? That's next week. I'm just kidding. That's not any week, okay? But how many of you, you've ever done something, you've maybe disobeyed God, and maybe it's even, like, intentional, okay? And all of a sudden, there's consequences that come along with it. There's maybe a feeling of guilt. There's maybe some frustrating things that happen in the course of the day. You go through something to where now all of a sudden... As if life wasn't stressful enough, now you've disobeyed the God of the universe and have to deal with some consequences as a result of breaking His law, okay? Anybody ever been there? Don't raise your hand again. Just maybe, like, do your eyebrows, okay? <laughs> but obedience, or if we could say it like this, disobedience has a way of adding additional stress into our lives, doesn't it? Same way that it happened when you were a child. You disobeyed, what happened? There were some consequences that came with it. It would have been much more convenient to obey and just go outside and play, wouldn't it? But instead, when you chose to maybe have a bad attitude, you chose, guess what? Now your disobedience has caused some inconveniences, hasn't it? And the disobedience that you face with God, the disobedience of maybe sin that's in your life, the disobedience of maybe choosing to do something rather than what God wanted you to do, the disobedience of living outside of God's law, okay? Those add additional stress into your life. And all of us would be willing to admit that just the day-to-day -day stress is probably enough. Just the day-to-day -day of like having to make payments on a house and make, make rent and go to work and hang out with people who maybe make me mad at work or whatever, okay? All of those have enough stress as it is. So why would we add insult to injury by basically saying, you know what sounds like a good, uh, good plan today? I'm just going to choose disobeying God. Because what Paul is saying is this. Don't add stress to your life by choosing to disobey. The things that you have seen in me, the things that you have heard from me, the things that I have taught you, I want you to do those things. Why? Because the God of peace shall be with you. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, we'll pray and we'll get into our application questions. Dear Heavenly Father, Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. 
We look forward to connecting with you again soon.